welcome back to our podcast, Captivated Audience. My name is Sam Sheen, and today I'll be presenting as the Senior Financial Crime Advisor to Efficient Frontiers International. And I'm joined today by my colleague and friend, who is the practice lead of the Regulatory Compliance and Advisory Services Function, or as I like to call her, our tax guru, Jane Newton. Hi, Jane. How are you? Hi there, Sam. I'm fine, thanks. Thanks for that that welcome introduction. So I thought it would be really helpful, given that we have some captive time, now that we're all working from home, to talk about tax, because there's been a significant addition around tax related to tax evasion in the amendments made by the 5AMLD and how that's been transposed across different European jurisdictions. So Jane's going to give us a hand today so that we can learn our ABCs when it comes to tax obligations and how that fits in to the KYC obligations financial crime professionals have to fulfill. So let's start off, Jane, with a simple question. What do we mean when we refer to tax KYC and where does that stem from? Okay, so tax KYC isn't isn't a known term in, in general parlance, but basically what it refers to here in this context is financial institutions have to comply with the regulatory requirements for Foreign Account Tax Compliance Act, which we know colloquially as FATCA, and Common Reporting Standard, known as CRS. So as part of the processes to comply with these uh, regimes, financial institutions are allowed to rely upon information collected for the purposes of AML KYC, to check that they have no reason to doubt the information that they've that, that the customer has provided for FATCA and CRS. Okay, so that's how they've originated. What are the basic elements of tax KYC? Okay, so there are three basic elements. First of all, we have to collect tax residency information to identify reportable customers. And then the financial institution has to verify that information based on the information that it's collected and holds for AMLKYC, or information that is required to be collected as part of the account maintenance. And in some circumstances, relationship manager knowledge is needed to ensure there's no reason to doubt the tax residency information that's been provided to the financial institution by the customer. And thirdly, we also have to monitor for changes in circumstances that impact on either the US status or and or the tax residency information. So it's not a, a one-off requirement. There is a requirement to monitor changes in circumstances too. So one of the wrong assumptions AML professionals can tend to make is that KYC and tax KYC are all the same. What are the main similarities and differences that you think exist between tax KYC and AML KYC? So how I see it, the, the main differences and similarities are as follows. So AML is an ongoing process to ensure compliance with AML laws by transaction and by clients based on a risk assessment of the client. KYC is the obligation placed on financial institutions to know who their clients are and to verify their identity. Now tax KYC is the obligation to hold tax residency information for the clients, verify it against other information held 
and monitor it for changes in circumstances. So this also covers US nationality and citizenship, as well as all other tax residency information. So reliance on AML KYC information was a key point that was discussed with the US tax authority that we'll refer to in this podcast as the IRS. So that was when FATCA was being introduced. And it was successfully agreed that reliance could be placed on information collected under existing AML regulations to meet most of the due diligence requirements for FATCA. However, where the tax risk was perceived to be higher, so for instance, certain customers with balances over a million dollars as at certain dates, additional procedures were needed, including relationship manager inquiries. So we now understand what tax KYC is. Why is it necessary to collect that information in order to comply with FATCA or CRS? So tax regulations require financial institutions to identify reportable customers that hold accounts with them and report them in annual returns that are sent to the local tax authority or in some countries directly to the IRS. And then using these automatic exchange of information agreements, tax authorities, including the IRS, then exchange this information with each other. They use this information to check that taxpayers investing outside of the countries where they're resident for tax purposes are actually paying the relevant tax on offshore income and gains in the relevant jurisdiction. Now, each jurisdiction implements these tax regulations in accordance with local law, and therefore some jurisdictional differences occur. I just want to follow up on the earlier point you made in relation to AML KYC and its connection to tax KYC. So now I've heard that to comply with some elements of tax KYC, you can rely on that KYC you collect for AML purposes. How exactly does that work? Okay, so when the financial institution is collecting the tax residency information from the customers, it must check the AML KYC information to validate that it has no reason to doubt that it's correct. So for instance, if a self-certification indicates the beneficial owner of the account is not a US citizen, but the passport collected for that person um, is held and states a US place of birth, then this gives reason to doubt the self-certification and that non-US status. So in that circumstance, there has to be a procedure in place and the correct action for the financial institution is to take, is to query this with a customer and ask them to confirm their US status. So for example, if the customer has renounced their US citizenship, they'd also need to provide the financial institution with a certified copy of their certificate of loss of nationality to support that non-US status claimed on the self-certification. And that documentation must be retained to support the self-certification and the non-US reportable status for HMRC audit purposes. And these checks are to prevent the taxpayer providing misleading or incorrect tax information to avoid being reported or even reported to the wrong country. So Jane, under the AML regime, there are certain triggers that require you review the KYC you hold for existing customers. And the UK's money laundering regs have been amended 
those amendments are basically the transposition of the five AMLD. One of those amendments has now added to the review triggers under Regulation 27A. This adds two new subcategories, ZA and ZB, and these are additional triggers when you have to review customer KYC. ZB refers to when the relevant person has to contact an existing customer in order to fulfill any duty under the International Tax Compliance Regulation 2015. Now, Jane, most AML KYC people will not be familiar with that. What is ZB referring to? So ZB is referring to the due diligence requirements under FATCA and CRS. And in, more broadly, FATCA and, and CRS are, are usually referred to as the automatic exchange of information uh, regulations uh, and agreements. So it's really creating a strong tie between FATCA and CRS compliance and AML KYC compliance. So to maintain compliance, it is really important that the AML KYC processes are linked with those to implement FATCA CRS, which includes the responsibility to monitor, monitor any changes in circumstances that can affect tax residency. So this is what's referred to here as the, as the financial institution must reach out to the customer for a new self-certification and even possibly an explanation. And that's really interesting because, as we know, the first case which prosecuted someone from the Panama Papers for tax evasion appears to be referring to, in one instance, people having information on KYC from an AML perspective, but not really realizing that the tax KYC information didn't necessarily line up. So looking at this new requirement, in what other instances might folks need to update their tax KYC? So if the financial institution gets information that's not recorded in its systems, but as part of the relationship management becomes aware of information that would give the financial institution reason to doubt the tax residency in the US status, this can apply, for instance, where the relationship manager may have collected information informally from the client, which may not be recorded on an account opening form such as a US parent. So uh, a live example of this would be, for instance, a relationship manager taking a customer uh, for, a, for a game of golf and chatting uh, socially about holiday arrangements. And the uh, client says to the relationship manager, oh, yes, I'm going to the US for Christmas to see my mother. And the relationship manager says, oh, has she lived there for very long? And the client says, yes, she was actually born there. Well, that makes the client and the customer a US person unless they had formally renounced their citizenship. But that information about the, the mother's place of birth would never be collected for the purposes of AML KYC and are very unlikely to be recorded in any other circumstances. I think that's really interesting, particularly for the wealth management lines of business for larger financial institutions such as the banks, where much of business carries on in a very face-to-face uh, -face or informal and formal activity, if you understand what I'm saying. So that's really interesting. We don't have that sort of similar example in AML. Yeah. I mean, if I just add there, 
What the regulations say is it's information that you hold for the purposes of an AML KYC and specifically for the account maintenance and any information that you collect through the relationship manager. It doesn't require you to go over and above that. So um, it's, really, it's really important to be uh, aware of what the requirements are and how they fit with each particular business line. What you would need to do, for instance, in the retail business would be different to what you have to do for wealth and, and private banking businesses. And also what's interesting for us AML folks is it introduces a new relevant person. So Jane, in AML, we have different people who are identified as relevant persons who need to receive AML training. And in this case, for the first time, really, we're hearing relationship managers who exist under the FATCA CRS requirement. So it'll be interesting for banks to start thinking about, do they also need to have training around that as well? So that way, those different groups of relevant people actually talk to each other and understand what each other's obligations are. Yeah, and that's a really interesting point, Sam, because basically under FATCA, there is the concept of a responsible officer, and that responsible officer, the primary duty is to make sure that they have, they are complying with FATCA. And although there is no formal reference to responsible officer in the CRS regulations and in the CRS world, it is good practice to make sure that you, the control and governance frameworks that you have implemented for FATCA carry across the CRS as well. Now, I remember back in 2014 and 15, there was a flurry of activity to try and get in place the right policies and procedures to comply with the FATCA and CRS requirements. It seems really quiet these days. I'm just concerned, Is are there any sort of potential risks people should be putting their minds to? Yeah, so I, I remember and recall very clearly the flurry of activity even prior to 2014, 2015. But, but basically many financial institutions implemented processes and procedures on a best efforts basis and put in tactical solutions. Uh, just because the uh, requirements were unfolding as processes and procedures needed to be developed to hit the compliance timeframes. But now in the current environment, following recent HMRC inquiries in the UK on previous returns, many financial institutions are now reviewing processes, procedures and governance frameworks for FATCA and CRS due diligence and reporting. Jane, can I ask you a question? It's a bit going off piece, so if you can't answer it, let me know. What powers does HMRC have if it discovers that your reporting's really out of date and that's because you haven't kept that tax KYC up to date? So it's a penalty regime for, make, for filing an incorrect return? So from my own understanding, if you, if you send in stale information and they find out that you've sent in stale information, they can fine you for that. It's not simply a matter of go back and fix the return, is it? Yeah, um, there's various repercussions. So, so the, primarily it's a financial penalty. Okay. But more important, the, but the financial pen penalties are relatively low. In, in the UK, they are. In other jurisdictions, they're higher. But it's a, it's a reputational risk because basically HMRC um, will we'll take into account in terms of the business risk rating, the level of compliance with FATCA and CRS. Okay. okay, Jane, so to reduce that 
out of sight, out of mind risk, what should financial institutions be thinking about in terms of their ongoing compliance with these tax KYC requirements? So it's, it would be really helpful to consider an internal review to identify any areas of potential non-compliance and reporting. So, and also to assess whether or not the governance and control framework is robust enough to withhold regulatory scrutiny. Jane, I'm going to do another uh, out of out of rate field question here. Right now, we're working remotely. So, imagine if you actually had to do one of these reviews. Would you say most financial institutions could do that remotely, or is there still some work to be done about being able to access that information? Because I can imagine a number of them don't have everything in electronic format. And there are lots of paper reviews that, that need to, yeah, that, that, that could need to be done. Essentially, what they could do right now is essentially get the, could do the, the review of the last return that went in and the data quality and the tax risks in that will be immediately apparent to the, to, to the tax authorities. I think so. We got some messaging from the government as well, particularly the FCA saying we still expect business as usual and for people to access technologies. So my suspicion is even if there are some grace periods given for reporting deadlines, there's a tough question to be asked why in the last six years you haven't found a way to automate collecting that data or am I wrong here? So, so the collection of the data um, it, it depends on the, the institution and it depends on the business line as to how they collect it. In the private client world, the relationship managers, that the clients like to give it to the relationship manager. In the retail world, and certainly in terms of the challenge banks, the, the information is collected electronically, you know, via mobile app or via an on-screen, an online app. But basically, it's the, it depends how you hold your AML KYC information as to how well you can validate it or to, you can't, most most clients don't have a an automated efficient procedure for doing that so perhaps this is the silver lining on a cloud for financial institutions to think about when we finally go back to normal or whatever will be the new normal once we come out of this which is a bit of an impact assessment were this to happen again how would they access that tax information if it was all in paper form yeah although i'm speaking the obvious aren't i really <laughs> yeah well you see what a lot of what a lot of them do is is smoke and mirrors so they'll ask the client to fill in a paper form but then there'll be somebody receives it and, and taps the information in to get it into the data flow. But that it, that is fraught with risk. And also, it's basically um, long-winded. Yeah, absolutely. We call it the fat finger syndrome. Yeah, 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 exactly. Yeah, people type stuff in incorrectly or they vary it or they can't. Sometimes they can't even read somebody's writing if they haven't typed the information yeah. in. Yeah. So we're almost at the end of our podcast. So a little bit of a practical perspective, building on some of the subjects we've just been discussing. So, you know, what if someone has heard or opens a new account for a corporate customer and they receive new information suggests the beneficial owners have moved to a new jurisdiction? 
If they update the KYC they hold for AML purposes, is there anything else they might need to do to also make sure they're compliant with their tax KYC obligations? So absolutely yes, there is an ob the obligation under FATCA and COS to make inquiries with the customer and potentially collect a new self-certification. Possible changes could in include new beneficial owners or uh, possible attempts to avoid uh, CRS reporting. And in some cases, a financial institution may identify the need to make a SARS report, hence the need for close linkage with AML KYC colleagues. Absolutely. And I would say right now, working remotely, now would be a good time to reach out and introduce yourself to your tax colleagues if you haven't already done so. Jane, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me. I know you are incredibly busy. And if you would like any more information about Efficient Frontiers International, or in particular, some of the tax KYC matters that Jane's been describing, you can go to the captivatedaudience.eu website and where you see the EFI logo, just click on it, or you can go directly to the EFI website and there's more information on there as well. So that concludes today's podcast of Captivated Audience. Thanks so much for listening and stay safe.